My name is Lucy Ripova and I'm the founder and host of Think with Lucy. This series features conversations with startup founders whose companies did not survive or went through a major pivot. I believe it is important to talk about failure as much as success. Failures are important as they make us rethink, reconsider and find new ways and strategies to achieve our goals. I hope this episode will add value to startup founders and anyone aspiring to found a business in the future. This episode is part of a new series focused on founders who built startups that did not survive or went through a major pivot. Christar Brown was the founder of Unfurl, a YC-funded company that was building a ghost kitchen that provided many types of food all in one order. It shut down this month and Chris is here with me to tell us more about the reasons for, for the closure. So thank you so much for coming, Chris. Thanks for having me here, Lucy. Well, I understand that we only have 30 minutes, so let's dive straight into it. I see from the YC page that you have you had three co-founders. Is that right? We had one, two, three, and then an additional fourth co-founder mm-hmm. and two of the co-founders left. That's, that's actually a lot. one of the things you got to watch out that's, for. That's a red flag for me. So <laughs> can you talk about how you met those co-founders? Why did you think it was the right decision to have so many people as co-founders? And then sure. where did the idea of Unfurl come from? Sure, sure. This all goes back to uh, about uh, nearly 30 years ago in 1994 when I left America and went to go live in uh, Siberia. And I lived in uh, Novosibirsk for about uh, 21 years. So I met the uh, co-founder, uh, and actually he was the person who kicked this off. His name is Mikhail Kukoric. We call him Misha. And he was a, a founder of a company called Momentus and uh, in the States. And he wanted to do a second company uh, that was highlighting his um, retail experience and his wife's retail experience. So Ludmila, Misha, and myself, and there was another guy named Alex who was also invited on board that was going to help with ops and these kind of things. So anyway, we, we got together and we really hatched, hashed out the idea in WeWorks in Palo Alto and finally figured out that, you know, the food tech space really needs somebody who's going to consolidate and do great food all on one platform and be able to create a, a licensable concept. So in other words, you have like 10 different viable brands that we would create or that would be taken from somebody else, put them all into one order. So you could have a hamburger and somebody could have a poke bowl and somebody could have sushi from various brands. And those would be, you know, set at a, at a great, you know, cost point and also in one order. Um, so that was, everybody is racing for this in the food tech industry. There's a company called Local Kitchens is doing well. Uh, all Day Kitchens, Unfurl was doing that as well. And there's a bunch of people throughout the country trying to solve this, this problem. So, so if, if you knew before you started that there were companies solving this problem, what did you not like about their solution? Or how was Unfurl biggest, different? So the biggest part of the solution that many other people are doing that is failing, and we were, I, I guess, not failing, and there's other failures that we did, but anyway, is that they're trying to create these artificial brands that nobody cares about and trying to promote mm-hmm. them, right? The most successful would be like Mr. Beast Burger 
right? Mr. Beef Burger has sold over $100 million of the burgers. But over time, that will, that will not be able to be sustainable because it doesn't have people that are really making those burgers very well. And it will get worse and worse quality. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what we were doing, like, for instance, The Melt, a local company that is really, really great quality. They trained our staff and we're doing that. The biggest issue here is, is really people trying to not do operations. One of the things about the tech world is it tries to exploit existing operational solutions and just do a tech or software solution, mm. which works great if you're first time in there like DoorDash. But when you're talking about now the next stage of solutions, which is making great food that is deliverable, somebody has to solve the, you know, the, 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 the other part of the vertical. So DoorDash and Grubhub, they solve the marketplace vertical. And then underneath that, it's really now the next thing is to do the, the real work, which, which is to solve the vertical of the operations and making great food and getting it out to people. And that's what we were trying to do. So you were working with companies like Grubhub or DoorDash to deliver from your kitchens, Correct. right? Correct. And so this is and going back to that original question, which was when Misha and, and Luda, myself and Alex got together, we formed a company. We all came from Russia. We had all left Russia due to the fact that Russia, the Russian economy was collapsing and the, and the existing leadership in Russia was not providing a space to evolve companies. We saw the writing on the wall with the first Ukrainian invasion which was essentially, you know, supporting these these local militants in the in in eastern Ukraine and we all got kind of our our businesses messed up during that first round. So I left. I actually was forced to leave my ex-partner and my coffee house company tried to throw me in jail. <laughs> so I I got out, you know, mm. while the getting was good. And the fact is that if you can have those kind of things happening, then you don't have a safe environment for businessmen. So I left in, in that round, which was, in hindsight, was very good, even though it was a very difficult, bitter pill to swallow. And I had to leave my you know $26 million business, which was 100 uh, coffee houses over Traveler's Coffee in six countries. Mm-hmm. So when I came here and we started and we were working on this with, with Misha, the biggest issue here was, and this is for all founders, is if you don't have the proper solution with the proper amount of money, getting in the food industry is capital intensive. Mm-hmm. And so the problem was we were a bunch of Russian people that knew each other, right? We came here, tried to solve this very difficult issue, but we didn't have a investor that was fully engaged and already in the industry. So local kitchens, the three guys who started or two, I forget, I don't know exactly how many, they were all from DoorDash. And DoorDash founders, a couple of them, one or two of them, were giving them money. Right. And that's how, so it created this infrastructure, but it's like, oh, they they must know what they're doing. So in Catalyst VC, uh, the company that backed them for their Series A, it it was much easier to get into there. As opposed to, we had a guy who was from space, and then a bunch of us who knew retail tried to start doing that, but we didn't have the investor portfolio that was going to get the next investor portfolio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that's really the difficulty. So that's when you applied to YC. And so we applied to YC and YC was YC was great and a fiasco all at the same time. Mm. So YC is really great for if we were a bunch of software guys trying yeah. to put a program software and so on and so forth. But if we're doing food tech, YC doesn't know food tech, especially the operational portion of it. All the people we started meeting were saying, are you operating your own kitchens? We're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that, right? Right, okay. So you don't think it was the right decision? 
looking back? This is a great question. It's a very philosophical question. Or for, let's say, for founders who are thinking about applying to YC and they don't have a tech-based idea. Um, that, that's the question. Yeah. Right? You get in, YC gives you a whole ecosystem of people that are really trying to do certain types of investment. Mm -hmm. And they have widened their, their array of investments substantially. So if you're doing tech, if you're doing space, you know, fintech, if you're doing biological med medicine mm -hmm. technology, mm -hmm. if you're doing save the planet tech, right? Which they're doing quite a bit of now. Yeah, climate uh, tech. Social yeah. consciousness and yeah, all of those things really good, mm. right? If you're like trying to produce a car, mm. right? Yeah. If you're doing robotics, uh, if you're doing the hard stuff, right? that there may be a, you know, you might be warned or forewarned mm -hmm. that it might be difficult to find that group mm -hmm. of investors. Mm -hmm. Not that they're not there, but it's just, it's just much more difficult. YC gives you a, a, some street cred, right? People will take your meetings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what, what you get in, in the industry is, is that you get a little badge, you know, it's like going to Stanford. It's like, you know, yeah. YC, it's you know, you get a little badge saying, okay, you're worth talking to. You can come in the door, right? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't mean you're gonna get anything, but you know, you will let you in. And so I think that's what YC is good for. YC also gets you intensely, intensely uh, dedicated to the reality of making it a short, simple message. So you're always working in, you know, massaging your message and mm -hmm. trying to make it clear. Yeah. So at what stage did you apply and what progress did you make in those three months? And what happened after? Did you raise money on Demo Day? What happened after? We had two things going on that was very interesting. So we had gone through the batch, got everything done, going into Demo Day. And Mikhail, once again, back to kind of Ukrainian-Russian reality. And this is really the, the issue right now at mm -hmm. hand. It's an exi existential issue. Mikhail was bringing his company, Momentus, to, which is also a YC co uh, company, He was bringing them to NASDAQ. He was doing, he was just finishing a SPAC mm -hmm. uh, and his company went from, you know, rocketed from when I met him, it was about 30 to 40 million valuation. It was going to like 1.2 billion valuation. Oh, wow. And this was, in, this was in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And the entire cycle was three years. So he was getting it to $1.2 billion valuation. It's a space company, right? Mm -hmm. He had a great solution for uh, all this stuff and he couldn't launch. It wasn't a failure to launch. He was prevented from launching how was he had that? all these so what happened was the one of the departments the three letter departments doj d you know department of 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 defense dod one of them there's a law on the books that says no foreign nationals mm. very specifically russian as well right, right? that makes yeah. sense no no foreign nationals can be in space in a private company that's u.s And so he was trying to work through this. He was trying to mm -hmm. get his passport and all this stuff. And I don't, I don't want to get into his stuff. That's you know, But the reality is he couldn't do that. Yeah. He had to step down as a, a CEO of that company. So he essentially stepped down, really saved the company and handed it over to some people that could do it. But in that particular thing, he mm -hmm. had to leave the country and start working on another company because he 
couldn't be part of his company. So he left the country, uh, went to Switzerland with his wife and started a wonderful company that's, that's doing very well, which is hypersonic travel. And it's called Denestis mm-hmm. uh, in Switzerland. And so we lost two of our co-founders in the middle of all, you know. And so Demo Day went by. We did yeah. all the things we could. And because we were this food tech company, we couldn't raise capital in our Demo Day because nobody could understand, you know, how we were part of this VC landscape, this Silicon Valley landscape, if we had our own kitchens. It was very odd. And plus, like I said, we didn't have the pedigree of, of investors that were able to talk to other investors and go, yeah, come on, it's, we'll, we'll do this, you know. And then the next thing that was very interesting, when Misha and Luda left, we got saved by Biden. Joe Biden was sending out money to all these, you know, companies, the re, revitalization or something like that, mm-hmm. one of those funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were able to capture some money for that, so we stayed alive for a little while longer. And then we got another guy that we knew uh, named Michael Mankiewicz. We brought him on board, and he was going to help with the with making us a, you know, a platform. So we actually built the entire and designed an entire platform uh, design deck that actually went into the nuances that we're going to be focusing on for this first, you know, unfurl IP. So we're actually going to do that and embrace that. And and we had, um, and we were going for a 5 million raise. And and once again, people were like, well, you know, we don't quite understand it and so on and so forth. And it was- Was it a delivery platform? It was not a delivery platform. The whole idea was, 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 it was, we weren't doing delivery. We were still going to use all the delivery people, the Uber Eats. So what was um, the platform for? It was a platform for customer platform. And what were customers doing on it? Ordering from our selection of foods okay. and also getting into personalized menus, advanced orders, you know, all those different things. And then, mm-hmm. of course, a B2B component for offices and larger orders. Right. And that didn't work out, that platform. Well, we didn't get the investment. To go you didn't it. get the investment. You know, people are ready to hire and so on and so forth, but we didn't get the investment. Looking back or reflecting on it, would you have pitched it differently? Is there anything you would have done differently? So you got to go to the major roots. If looking back, if I knew everything now that I, when I first met Michael with Misha, I would say, hey, Misha, you're a space guy and you don't have time to do this full time. So you can't be a founder. Number one, yeah. if founders aren't full time, they're not founders. You're out, right? Makes sense. <laughs> the second thing is on that founder team, if you want to do a platform, one of the founders has to be a platform guy or gal. Right. So somebody has to be the tech person who's actually in the founder and actually Mm. programming and working and doing that, not your hiring, outsourcing your tech. Right. That I think would have been huge. That's the second thing. The third thing would have been not being so many Russians. (laughs) I'm not sure if Rupova is a Russian or a Slavic name. Uh, I'm from Czech, Czech Republic. Okay. Yeah. So in, in the family. Right. The greater family. I'm I'm originally my, my dad's side Ukrainian Jews from Lviv and uh, lived in Russia for 21 years. My wife is Russian. Kids born in Russia. So I I get the wonderful, beautiful part about the Slavic reality, and I get the the insanity of trying to integrate that part of the world into the other part of the world. That you know that that's this this whole paradigm shift that still isn't done, regrettably, and. Um, with with that being said, 
there's there's a whole series of things, whether it's Mikhail not being able to do his space companies or whether it's us being able to get in front of people and be part of a ecosystem. Mm. Not that being Russia is 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 going to alienate you from being part of a software ecosystem. I think we're going to get a lot of great, you know, the brain drain from Russia right now is going to, and, and, and Ukraine as well, is going to give us some amazing uh, entrepreneurs here. The thing is, you got to mix that up with some, you know, American faces. I'm American, so I just, but I was, my business experience was all Russian, right? All of our, you know, Russian people there were, were, were trying to figure out how to get this thing to the next stage. But it's just, there's a pariah effect right now with the Russian. Uh, so are you saying the connections were in there? Connections, Connections. Yeah. And I think second thing I've I've left in, in California, people are suspicious of Russians. So Ooh. even my surname ending OVA, I feel like I'm not really trusted. Uh, because not. I'm not Russian, <laughs> but people think I'm Russian and like, oh, you know, damn Russian, go away. So I think and my so wife has to deal with that every day. Yeah, yeah. Like, really, because she has an accent and you know, she has that, that cute Russian accent, but yeah. it's like, it's like, uh, you know, are you a spy? What are you doing? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> kind of weird. It's brutal. It it's is, brutal. it is. And people don't, you know, I, I learned this, I'm a Baha'i, right? So in the Baha'i faith, there was um, the, the persecution that goes on in the in the origin place of the Baha'i faith, which is uh, Iran. Mm. A lot of Iranian Baha'is left the country in uh, 1979 when the uh, Islamic revolution happened and they were being killed yeah. and put into jail and so on and so forth. So a lot of the Iranians came over here. And it's, it's interesting because the people that are here are like the ones who don't want to be you know and then they and then something happens yeah. like 9-11 and these poor iranians are like we came over here we're trying to get rid of that we're not doing that stuff we're here yeah. it's the same thing here it's like it's like the russian citizens that are here they're like yes that we've left we left you know 10 20 years ago that's why we're here we're trying to support a different way of yeah 100%. and it's very it's very funny to be caught to be in that this is a great expression of a rock in a hard place mm-hmm. right you can't mm-hmm. it's like it's like just because it's guilt by association, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that didn't help. That did not help us. So you said you shut down beginning of this month. How did you make the decision? Was it you ran out of uh, money? Uh, yeah, the runway. So, I mean, it's, it's really one of those things of also being, you know, extremely specific. I was very clear because my previous company, the the closing of my previous company was was precipitated by me trying to get thrown in jail by my ex-partner, right? And so it was just an insane thing that happened like overnight, you know? And a lot of people got burned there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were owed salaries and so on and so forth. So I was very clear as the runway was ending, I told everybody that I'm not going to have anybody except for myself and the founders being owed money. If we are owed money for salary, we're founders. That's what you do, right? Um, and we had not taken wages for like four months, trying to stretch out the runway. And we had actually had another million dollars that was literally going to come in at the end of last month in mm-hmm. February. Mm-hmm. But those two investors were Russians and their banks were frozen. And it was, it was just, it was just, it was awful. We would have had enough money to get us to near the end of the year. But yeah, that, <laughs> that, that didn't work out. And none of the other investors were putting in money. It was a very weird time when mm-hmm. you know, February 24th happened. But to kind of put that into context, you know, when that was coming up, I was very clear that, listen, suppliers are suppliers. They're businesses. They can do tax write-offs. It's not a, that's not a big deal. That's part of the game, right? 
but people getting paid their wages, we have to have it. And so we were, the, the, the money was shrinking. We only mm-hmm. had enough money to pay the next wage. Yeah. And I was saying, guys, we're done. Right. And then when we couldn't get any money from these two investors, that was a clear, and you, you know, if you have time, you can then get people, you know, interested, you can, you know, do another pitch. You can go find investment uh, mm-hmm. through other sources. You can change your pitch deck to like, okay, we're going to do the environmental. What is that? You know, the the whole environmental stakeholder, all that stuff. You can change ESG. that. Well, yeah, thank you, ESG. You can do an ESG play, which we had a lot of possibilities to do. You know, so it's like a tech play, an ESG play, whatever, right? Or food play. But that takes time. It takes time and energy to redo the pitch deck to actually start to mold your company to, to actually be that thing. Because if you're not authentic, good investors yeah. will sniff that. And like, yeah, you're not authentic. Get out of here. <laughs> you're just trying to do that to get our money. Yeah, yeah. Did you try to raise debt? We, we actually did raise debt and then had it forgiven. So it was this, the reconstruction or re- reconciliation. I forget the fund. From yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we were going to get some more. We're going to go do... Um, Small business loans. Okay, small business loan. Yeah, and, and we had that getting set up. We didn't weren't able to finish that. And then, like I said, if, if you're going to do the uh, ESG world, there's tons of money in there. If you're providing good businesses, if you're releasing immigrant, female immigrant, you know, potential, you know, releasing that potential and that energy. That's what we had actually. You know, it was Ludmila was a you know female immigrant. We were actually thinking about how to work with these various organizations with chefs that were I mean, like a lot of chefs are women, but they don't get a chance to really shine because mm. the male chefs are the one that, ones that are getting the opportunity. So we're thinking about that play, which I would have loved to start with that. That's another thing, you know, Lucy, is as you look at this, it's really the beginning. It's, it's what do you want to do and where the money can come from? How do we have known the money wasn't coming from tech? How do we have known that the whole Russian thing wasn't going to work out, right? We probably would have, altered everything and probably even more to what some of the, the, the members were thinking about, which was an ESG play where this is about supporting the food industry at the bottom up, the grassroots, right? And getting people participating and ultimately maybe even co-oping or owning those kitchens that are doing those multiple brands. That might've been cool, but this was, you know, pre-COVID. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we didn't think about like, we're going to solve the problem of the, and it's also a call, you know, when you have two or three co-founders that are like, we want to do the hockey stick, right? Mm-hmm. And you have other co-founders that are saying, wouldn't it be nice to change the world, right? I mean, those yeah. are different, those are kind of different plays. Different visions. Yeah. So lesson learned, don't have four co-founders and don't be Russian. <laughs> no. Um... Be one. <laughs> one Russian. It's yeah. great. A bunch of Russians with only Russian money. Difficult, you know? Difficult, yeah. No, but that's also, well, that, that also might change very quickly too. There's going to be a lot of diasporas out there that are that are seeking to, if they've got their money out, if they have access to their money, mm-hmm. then there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go, hey, we're going to, we're going to do this particular space that we did maybe in Russia and then do it here. Like bike, you know, the guys that were... Um, you mean e-bikes? No, it's called bike. Buy with a K at the end. Mm. They spent like some crazy amount, like $50 million to get mm. into Manhattan wow. and do a seven to 15 minute delivery of dark stores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going to be expanding quite quickly. 
they had a company in Russia called Samaka, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, which means it's it's means scooter, like the little scooters. So they have these delivery guys and gals all on whatever means of transportation works in a city. So it could be on those little scooters, it could be on whatever. Mm-hmm. And so bike or whatever. And the model's great, you know, quick delivery. But the problem is that, you know, they they had funding that was coming now cut off because of this situation. If those guys, for instance, with the model, with the program people had, you know, let's say 10% of their colleagues moved to, you know, God knows where, you know, I don't know, Lithuania or, you know, Poland or yeah. whatever. And, and, and they tried to do it again, that would be great, you know, but it's just, it's just important to understand that, that the, the Russian street cred doesn't translate to the Silicon Valley street mm. cred. 100%. And that's, that's the difficulty, unless you have some sort of amazing tech, right? That, you know, amazing algorithms, they're able to do personalized markets, you know, and, and get people's profiles quickly. That's, that's legal. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that, that those are my lessons. Interesting. No, uh, I'm aware of time. That was super helpful. I think uh, our listeners will learn a lot from it. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And paka. <laughs> paka. <laughs> Have a great one. You too. Bye, Chris. Bye. Thank you for listening to this discussion. If you enjoyed it, make sure to follow the podcast to hear about new episodes. You can also find me on Instagram or Twitter under Think with Lucy. Let's highlight the gray area that is often overlooked. Let's show nuance. Let's think. <laughs>